Well, good morning. I am glad you're here, and many of you are joining us online. We're glad you're with us, too. Hey, this, because of this weather, we're not going to be able to have our outdoor um, trunk or treat this Sunday. We've canceled that. You know, as we thought through it, we've done it annually, I think almost as long as we've been in the building. Just indoors wasn't plausible, and we tried outdoors, but weather didn't cooperate. So trust that you will get a fix of candy in one way or another, but uh, we are grateful that you're here this morning, and thanks for joining us. So a while back, as I'm getting older, my wife had given me some balance exercise. I go to the gym, and I do different things, but it would be good as you get older, Andy, to work on your balance. And, and I had no idea how hard some of these things were, like you've got to stand on one foot and, and lift this leg out ten times, and you've got to stand. And I won't do too much of them because I don't want to fall over. But it was much harder than I thought. And those people that dance or whatever they do, um, ballet, I, I just realized that that's harder. That, that takes strength. I didn't realize you need it. Well, I share that because sometimes at first pass, like watching people do balance stuff, it seems easier. Well, following God, it seems initially, yeah, well, that's good. What, what could be so hard about following God? And it's, I think it's a great life choice to follow God, but it's not always easy. And I want to talk about that today. What is it that makes following God so hard? So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open that to Exodus 5 and 6. We're going to start in chapter 5, verse 1, and go through chapter 6, verse 9, wrestling with this question, what makes following God so hard? As you're turning there, pulling up on your phone, whatever you do, let me just get us up to speed. Uh, the world had kind of moved on from God, and God said, you know, I want to make myself known. And so he chose a guy named Abraham, kind of a happy pagan, and uh, said, you're, you're going to follow me, you and your wife Sarah, and we're going to make a great nation. And, and, and so they did. I, Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, very dysfunctional family. So you think, man, I really come from a dysfunctional family. Well, you've got uh, roots in the Bible. Uh, they were very jealous of uh, one of their brothers named Joseph. There were 12 of them, and they sold him, slavery left him for dead. Um, God, of course, plays the final card on things. And, and he raised Joseph up in a time of uh, famine and pandemic not pandemic, a famine and, and um, pandemonium in, in Egypt, and there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, and, and uh, Pharaoh had a dream, and, and, and Joseph figured that out, and so Pharaoh said, you're going to be my number two, and so he moved his family down to Egypt, and, and so the, the, the Israeli nation lived as, as a favored nation. But then there was a new king, and he was a little scared of foreigners, and uh, in fact, he was real scared of foreigners, and he, and he turned to Egypt against them, and, and, and Israel uh, was enslaved for 400 years as it turns out. And along the way, he, he wanted to work them to death, and what didn't work out, he was going to try and um, exterminate them, basically genocide. You see a boy born, Jewish boy, pitch him in the Nile. Um, that didn't work. Some people feared God. And then in, in Exodus 2, we, we focused on one little boy, Jewish boy. His name was Moses. Um, he was hidden in the reeds because the mom was scared of him. Well, Pharaoh's daughter found him, and he grew up in Pharaoh's home. So he, he grew up culturally an Egyptian with the privileges of wealth, but he was still Jewish. And, it, and when he was a young man, he saw uh, an Egyptian beating a Jew, and he said, that isn't right, and he, he killed the Egyptian. Well, Pharaoh found out, and, and Moses fled. He was a fugitive, and he spent 40 years in a Midian desert herding sheep, and then one day in a burning bush that didn't it was consumed, God said, hey, Moses, I'm calling you to lead the people out of slavery. I've, I've heard their cry, 
and, and you're going to be the one. And Moses said, that's great, but how are they going to know it's me? How are they going to believe me? Aren't they going to think I'm crazy? And God said, hey, I'll give you a couple things. When you throw down your staff, it'll become a snake, and you grab it, it's going to become a staff. And then you'll stick your hand in your chest, and it'll come out leprous, and you'll stick it back in, and it'll be clean. And, and so he did that, and, and the Jewish people said, good, we're, we're, we're good, and, and, and we think you're called of God, and, and we're ready to get this liberation program on the road. So that's where we are, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, and afterward, Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh uh, and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. So they're going to introduce Pharaoh to the Lord, and hey, Pharaoh, the Lord has showed up to us, and, and he just wants us to go for a little, little retreat. Can you, can you let him go? Now, mind you, this is a polytheistic culture, which means they believe there's many gods, and they got the sun god, they got the moon god, they got this god, they got that god. And, and so for Pharaoh, this is just one other, you know, I mean, he, he's used to, who, who, which, which god is this? Uh, on top of that, he's a man. He's in charge, and, and no one just tells him, hey, this is what you're going to do. So here's how he responds in verse 2. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. I, 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 I don't know who, who this God is, you know, in this culture of many gods, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not bound to him. I'm not going to let him go. And, and the question now then is, who will the nation of Israel serve? The Lord is calling them to serve him by going on a three-day trip into the wilderness to, to worship him. Meantime, Pharaoh thinks, man, this is a lot of cheap labor. These people are really, really good for my gross domestic product because I, I get a lot of production out of them, and it doesn't cost me much. So I'm not sure I want to let them go. So that's where we are. And verse 3, they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go a three days. I mean, they're asking nice. They're saying, please, a three-day journey to the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Uh, so the question is, who's going to serve who? These people going to serve the God of the Hebrews? They're going to serve Pharaoh. He, God of Hebrews has one design for him. Pharaoh has another. And Pharaoh's not happy about this. Uh, verses 4 and 5, but the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. And again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their labors. Hey, there's a lot of you folks. You produce a lot of stuff which we need. Uh, you know, if I let you go three days, that's a lot of lost productivity. No. No, you serve us. You serve us, and the answer is no. So, as you think about your experience, world events, world history, when someone or a government is in charge, and they, they're authoritarian, they've got total control, and there's an uprising. People say, hey, I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to do this a different way. What's the, the leader or what's the government's response, particularly if it's a kind of a totalitarian government? What, what do they do with this insurrection or, or rebellion or, or uprising? What, what do they want to do with that? 
They want to squash it. Think Tiananmen Square. Think the former Soviet Union. Well, maybe you could even think the modern day Soviet Union. Now you could go to a lot of places. You want to put it down. If you're the person in power, you, you want to end it, you want to end it quickly. And so that's what we get in verses 6 to 9. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and, and their foremen saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and get gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks, which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. So he's connecting the desire to worship God with laziness. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so that they will pay no attention to false words. I want these people to stop listening to this Moses and Aaron. They're, they're crackpots. They're trying to uh, cause a rebellion and it, it's costing us productivity. And they're lazy. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say quota, uh, that stays the same. But the, the straw, the, the raw materials that you had, no more. But you've got to make the same quota. We don't have to be an economics major to say, hey, that's not fair. Yeah, that's exactly the point. It's not. But it's desired to crush them, to get them to stop listening to Moses and Aaron, to get that, this, this fool dream of going three days. You guys, you guys need to let that go. And so, yeah, these people will suffer. For what? Ultimately for following God. So what's going on? I mean, the, the players in this are, are Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron representing the people, but I want to tell you there's something going, bigger going on. When God created the worth in, uh, world and created Adam and Eve, they, they were led astray by, by Satan, and, and basically they were led to question God's goodness. And, and the play was, hey, you can do this on your own. You don't, you don't need to listen to God. That, that was the appeal. And created a world system that intentionally excludes God. Now, God has a plan for the nation of Israel. He is going to take them out of Egypt, and he's going to establish them in their own land, and he's going to bless them and multiply them. So the rest of the world will go, hey, 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 hey. In, in our polytheistic culture, all these guys... That God seems to be above all, and God is going to make himself known through the nation of Israel. Behind that is Satan, working through whoever, in this case Pharaoh, in opposition to that, to crush that. Because why? There is a system in which you and I are living, which God has intentionally excluded. Now, lest we think, oh, this is kind of a unique event, um, let me point you to the, the New Testament, the first century church. They were persecuted. They suffered. And oh, by the way, it's, it's not just back then. Uh, I just, in preparing for this sermon, did, just did a survey of some, some, some headlines. Uh, uh, here's what it says. Indian believers, that's believers in India, tied up and beaten. Another quote. quote Nepal, we're talking about your faith, gets you fined, jailed, and attacked. Third quote, pray with five Iranian converts as they report to prison. Fourth quote, pastor in Cambodia assassinated, fourth church leader killed in 11 months. Fifth quote, pray with a Cameroonian woman disfigured in a twisted persecution act. What's the deal? What's the deal? 
They represent God. In a system that is designed to exclude God. And behind that system is Satan. And people are being raised up to oppose God. That's what we've got going on here. The good news is, God will make himself known. But there will be persecution for us in the process. And what we need to hold on to are those purposes of God. But these people are feeling it. They're feeling, got to get the same amount of quote, bricks, I got less raw material. So, then the foreman of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, why do you deal with you this way with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. Yet they keep saying, make bricks. And behold, your servants are being beaten, but it's the fault of your own people. But he said, you are lazy, very lazy. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice the Lord. He is trying to get them to give up on this idea that we're going to go and sacrifice the Lord. And he said, I'm equating that with your laziness, and I'm going to beat the fool out of you until you quit being lazy. So, go now and work, for you will be given no straw, yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. The foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told, you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. Can you imagine the stress? You're working and you got a foreman that you really like and you know if you don't produce, he's going to be beaten and you, and you go get straw but you can't find straw and, and, and you feel stressed because that's your, that's your uncle or that's your friend, that's your, and, and, and this, is, this is oppressive. This is crushing. These people feel this. And so they go to meet with Moses and Aaron, verses 19 and 20, the foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told, you might not reduce your daily amount of bricks. Then, when they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. Here's what they say to Moses and Aaron. May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight in the sight of servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now that's a quite a contrast from chapter 4 verse 31 where the people believed and they were ready for Moses to lead them and take them out of the promised land. Now, now we're feeling the heat on this thing and man it is, it is oppressive and it is hard and, and Moses, Aaron, may God judge you. Really? I mean, I mean God appeared to Moses in the bush and, and feeling it. This can't be the will of God. This isn't right. So then Moses and Aaron go back to God. At least Moses does. Verse 22 and 23. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Remember, Moses thought, I'm not sure about this idea. And God had to convince him. Now he thinks it's a really bad idea. Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people. And you, have, you haven't delivered. There's been no deliverance. In fact, it's gotten worse for following you. Verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion he will let them go. And under compulsion he will drive them out of the land. God goes on. Verse 2. I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm outside of time. As God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. That's where you're going. The land in which they sojourn. Furthermore, I've heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage and I've remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I'm the Lord 
and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will make, take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Oh, whew. Good. I mean, they're, they're going to feel better about this because God said, I'm going to come through. And, and you can just, you can just kick back. You can, you can trust me. I'm going to do it. Here's how the people respond, verse 9. So Moses spoke, spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses. Really? Moses is speaking for God. They did not listen to Moses. Why? On account of their despondency and cruel bondage. Yeah, maybe in the by and by, maybe it's coming. But right now, Moses, we're feeling it. This is breaking us. We're under bondage. This guy has complete control, so it seems. He's taken our straw. He's demanding the same brick. And when it's not happening, we're either being beaten or people we're working on are being beaten. And that's really hard. So why not deliver us, God, right now? And we can be done, we can be on our way. But I don't want to, kind of a little bit of a spoiler alert here. Uh, Pharaoh's going to be uh, obstinate, and God's going to use that. And there's going to be a series of ten plagues. There's going to be frogs, and there's going to be flies, and there's going to be this. And it's going it's to step up. There's going to be hail, and there's going to be livestock that die, and there's going to be crops that fail. And, then, and, and what, what will be really, really interesting about that as it goes on, there will be plagues that will take place all over Egypt, except the land of Goshen where Israel is. They'll be, they'll be spared. That, like their livestock will be spared, and they'll be spared all, all kinds of stuff. Even the whole nation of Egypt is getting it. That, that section. And then the ultimate one will be this. There'll be a, um, a deal will God say, I'm going to take the firstborn in every family. Every human, every animal. But uh, I'll pass over, I'll pass over the people of Israel. And see, if, if God delivers them right now, none of that happens. And, and what that's going to do, it's going to make a statement to the people of Israel. They're going to see how faithful God is. And for the people of Egypt, they're going to get a chance to consider their polytheism because they're going to see this God of the Hebrews show power over all these other gods. And if they got half a brain, they might say, you know, Maybe I ought to think about this, this God of the Hebrews because he seems to be able to do whatever he wants. He seems to be the Lord. And so, the Lord will not deliver Israel right away. There's going to be a process because he's got purposes in it. But I don't think that matters a thing to these people. Because they're suffering right now. And they would like deliverance when? Right now. We ask this question. What makes following God so hard? Here's part of the reason. God's timetable is not our timetable. God's timetable not our timetable. It's not our timetable. You know what? Here's what I think you and I have in common. When we're suffering, 
when we're hurting, when we're lonely, when we're feeling the weight of conflict, when we're without a job, when we've been single and we wanted to be married three years ago and we don't have a date inside. We, we would like an answer to that right now. Thank you very much. Right now. Because, man, it hurts. And God's waiting because he's got bigger purposes and he wants to And I don't know about you, but I, I ain't interested. I, ain't interested. I, I want a solution right now. And what that can do for me is if, God, if you're not going to answer, then I'm out. And it's in those times that we're hurting, we're lonely, we're without a job, we're single, we can't have a baby, whatever it is that we're feeling. That's when we most need God. We're in those times of waiting, but our tendency is to push back. Now, I have felt this so many times in my life. But maybe no more obviously than the 93-94 school year. I spent that in Siberia. I was doing campus ministry. And Russia at that time was anarchy. I mean, the, the mafia was running the country. And we went in in September, and we came out at Christmas for a break. And, and so we went in September, and then we went back in, in January. They gave us money, like dollar bills, like about $2,000 worth. And that would be our money for the semester. And then we would change it to rubles as we needed. There were no... No electronic banking, and banks weren't trustworthy, and so. And here's what scared me. If people knew how much money I had and we had in our apartment, what would they do? What would they do to get that money? Well, Andy, go to the police. No, 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 you don't understand. The police in the pocket of the mafia. And so I begin to stress out. And about middle of March of that year, I just, ah, let me put it, Delicately, my GI tract wasn't working. And so I went into Moscow, the American Mental Clinic in Moscow, and they gave me medicine for Giardia. That didn't work. Okay, let's look for a parasite, which means I'm riding the, Mos the metro in Moscow with my little sample in hand to take to the doctor's office for three days in a row. And finally, about that time, it's time to go home. And when we land, we're five weeks from getting married. And we get married. And, and all of a sudden, I seem to be getting just a little, little, little bit better. But in the process. I see a gastroenterologist and I get checked for spastic colon, irritable bowel, blah, blah, blah. None of those things pan out. And finally, in September of that year, I see my uh, general practitioner. We're back. I'm in seminary. And, and so I just talked to him. I said, Dr. Flower, here's what happened. I explained all that stuff. What, what do you think? He said, Andy, you know, it's hard to know in these things. Sometimes we, we never get an answer. But based on what you're telling me, I think you stressed out. I just think you stressed out. And, and you know what's, what added to my stress? I don't know how long this is going to go on. And I didn't have an answer, and I didn't have a solution, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and, I, and I'm not getting an answer. And, and, and I seem to be getting worse, and I seem to be getting more stressed out. And, and I, I just didn't do a very good job of, of trusting God, and I began to internalize that, and, and it, it was detrimental. I'm wondering if you're in that same position. You're in something, and it is, it, you're not getting an answer, and... And you're just getting madder at God? I believe God is sovereign in your circumstances. And no, I don't have a solution. I don't know when it's going to end. But I believe he has a purpose, just like he did here. And I don't think these people were super interested in that purpose. So where do we get the faith? Where do we get the the wherewithal to be different. 
to say, even though I don't have it in me, I'll trust you in this. Not surprisingly, I'd like to point us to our Savior. He came to earth knowing exactly what was going on. He left the beauty of heaven to the step down to become a human being. And for 30 years, he, he served as a carpenter. He stepped into public ministry, knowing full well where that would end. But, you know, I want us to think again. He, he, his prayer was, Father, not my will, but your will be done. But here was the will of the Father. He come in on a Sunday, and he's hailed as a hero, but by Thursday, they want him crucified. In the process, they're spitting on him. They're mocking him. They're beating him. Take the crown of thorns, put it in his head, and here's the king with his crown. Then it's, it's 39 lashes, and so at the, at the end of these, uh, the whip, they put chunks in so that it would take out pieces of flesh. But we're not done then. Then he's got to carry his cross up to the mountain. And in Romans developed crucifixion for a reason. Remember I talked about wanting to put down insurrection, wanting to put down rebellion. People lingered in crucifixion, and that was the idea. So people would be walking in the city, and they'd hear the people crying out and hear the people moaning. And there was a message there. Don't think about rebelling. Don't think about rising up, because you'll end up there. That was the will of the Father for Jesus. Because he was fully God and fully human, he felt all of that pain, and yet he never quit trusting in the purposes and the plans of God the Father. He did die by crucifixion, but he was put in the grave Friday afternoon, but by Sunday morning he was back up, risen from the dead. He spent 40 days on earth, he ascended into heaven, and he'll come back one day to set up his kingdom on earth. And when that happens, one day, it says every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And oh, by the way, in doing that, he purchased your salvation and mine for those who would believe in him. I have no place to point us when we're hurting and when God's timetable is not our timetable and that's really frustrating us because we want a solution and we don't have one in sight except to the Savior who knows your pain, who knows what it is to wait in, who knows what it is to suffer. This is not an academic exercise for him. He lived it out. He knows. And he wants to walk with you and he wants to strengthen you in it. So Andy, when will it end? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, and I would be wrong to say, oh, press no change, oh, it'll be done. And oh, by the way, as a culture, as a world, we're feeling this pandemic, aren't we? We've gone through a couple waves, and now I pull up my news app, and we're at 80 some odd thousand cases, the most we've ever had, and you know, who knows how it'll play out, but it's kind of a, how long, Lord? How long? I don't know. I don't know. But I know there's a Savior who wants to walk with us in that and give us the strength to look to the one who is completely worthy of our trust, to the one who says, I will redeem your pain. I will have a plan for it, and I will make my name great, and I will work through you. In the meantime, we trust in Jesus. Because sometimes it's hard following God.
because his timetable is not our timetable. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we are um, sobered by this word. Your people, living your purposes, are suffering. And that's not a new phenomenon. That's, that's the world we live in. That's the world system who wants to deny you. Uh, it happened to the first members of the church. It's happening today all around the world. And uh, we live in our own private pain. And, and we, we, we wonder, where are you? What is your timetable? Um, Lord, rather than pushing back, would we embrace you? And, and we don't have the strength to do that on our own, but we, we serve a Savior who does. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you make Jesus manifest? Would you make him real? That, that we would understand this Savior walks with us and understands and empowers us, yes, to wait on you. Thanks for Jesus, who makes all of this a reality and a possibility. And I pray in his name, amen.